Hey guys, when you search for Bible-related stuff, virtually all the results are from Christian pastors and apologists. Yeah, to find real biblical criticism, you need to dig down. Most people never even learn about all the scholarship out there, which debunks a lot of the evangelical claims. Yeah, there's an entire well-funded industry of biased Christian content out there. Our show tries to offer a counter-argument to them, but we rely on our listeners to keep the show going week after week. If you'd like to support the show, please check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Skeptics Bible Project. Thank you to all those supporting us. We hope you enjoy the show. I'm John. And I'm Ben. And this is the Skeptics Bible Project. We read the Bible so you don't have to. I don't care too much for preachers. I don't like to go to church. But I'd hate to meet St. Peter when my body leaves this earth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is the Skeptics Bible Project. Thrilled to be here with you again. How are you, Ben? I'm doing great tonight, John. How are you? I'm good. In our last few episodes, we've done basically a kind of reaction about um, the claims that evangelicals make. We did one responding to Victoria Osteen. I encourage everybody to go back and check that out. And then we were doing some reaction to the He Gets Us campaign, um, the ad campaign that is currently running all over the TV and the internet. So we wanted to continue in that theme a little bit and respond to uh, something we heard on Joe Rogan's podcast. Joe Rogan, you probably all know who he is, and he has, I guess, like one of the largest, if not the largest podcast around where he interviews people. And in this episode, he interviewed Adam Curry, who is a former MTV VJ from the early 90s, and, uh, but who is now a conspiracy theorist and Christian. And um, he went on Joe Rogan to kind of defend his Christianity. Rogan is himself not a Christian. And um, we watched this video, so we thought it would be fun to kind of go through it together here, play some of the clips, and then react to it. All right, so let's just dive right into it then. This first clip is Joe and Adam talking about evil. Um, I believe there's evil in the world. I think there's evil in the world as well. And if I believe there's evil in the world, then there's got to be good in the world. Okay, so evil in the world. Adam Curry says this, and then Joe Rogan agrees. They both agree there is evil in the world. What stood out to me is I don't think they mean the same thing necessarily. I mean, I don't know what Joe Rogan's like deep beliefs are. I'm not, I'm not an avid listener of Joe Rogan. I, um, I rarely ever hear it unless someone has a clip they want to play for me. But, um, the way Adam Curry or the way a Christian understands evil is they're actually talking about a supernatural concept. They're not talking about people that are doing things morally bad or morally wrong. They think that there is a supernatural compulsion, usually from the devil, um, which, you know, it's it's an entire mythology built on. So it sounds like a an easy thing that a lot of people will agree with. And I notice a lot of Christian apologists use this tactic also. Well, do you believe there's evil in the world? And a lot of people will say yes, because they see a lot of horrible things in the world. But again, they mean it in a very different way. 
Yeah, it's a weird reversal of like the argument a lot of times that you hear against the existence of God, which is that there's so much evil in the world. I don't actually think this works. I don't think that evil in the world necessitates good in the world. I just don't think that like we don't live in a dualistic world where because you have one thing, you have to have the opposite. I And especially when you're talking about a concept as obtuse and unclear as what they're talking about is evil and good. Um, I mean, some I, I think that just like philosophy is ripe with um, people that have theories about evil and good. Shockingly, I don't think it's as simple as with the way that Adam Curry and Joe Rogan presented. And yeah, I also am just curious, like what exactly they mean by evil. I don't I just don't understand this um, line of reasoning. I think that um, it's much more problematic that there's evil in the world to believe in God than it is to not believe in God. I don't think, like, in the end, the problem of evil disproves God because you could have a very malicious uh, and evil deity that wants to have evil all over the world, and it doesn't mean that you have to like him. He could still exist. Um, but if the God of the Bible is a moral, loving God, it seems disproportionate that there's so much evil in the world. And if you're weighing evil versus good in the world, I just think that there's not even a contest that um, even if you just stack up the natural disasters. So I, I don't understand this whole line of argument. But I think there's just a basic fallacy that because evil exists, that good needs to exist. I don't think that that actually philosophically is even true. Yeah, you raise a really good point. It's interesting that usually evil is used uh, as a criticism. The problem of evil is probably one of the strongest criticisms you hear, and it's, it's quite effective um, against... Christianity. It reminded me a little bit of kind of the um, Kirk Cameron um, way of the master, like, are you a sinner? Have you ever told a lie? Oh, well, then you need a savior. Kind of like these logic, logic games that they play. It seems to me like for Adam Curry, um, the basis for his belief in Christianity, because it's the first thing he started with, is the idea that there's evil in the world. And then he uses that, like you said, not really logical turn to say, well, that means there must be good in the world. But again, I, I keep coming back to this idea of, well, what does he mean by evil? It is important to say the way a Christian will refer to evil and good is very different um, than the way a non-believer would. There's a whole complex um, system that Joe Rogan doesn't know anything about and or doesn't care anything about so when he but he's agreeing with adam curry um but i'm saying yeah but he's agreeing uh from a totally different basis and has and probably not agreeing about the same thing at all yeah i was gonna say the same thing i mean it, you use these terms like good and evil are so loaded with different meanings that you know adam curry can mean one thing joe rogan means one thing the audience is interpreting it as something else um, there's a colloquial sense that we all use evil, like we say Jeffrey Dahmer was evil. Um, there's sort of like a really like an absolute sense where we talk about like uh, the Nazis and fascism as being the like absolute embodiment of evil. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like the throughout um, a, a lens of Christianity, Evil is uh, one part construction, rebellion from God uh, through sin, and another part demonic influence on uh, man as uh, 
the, as the devil roams around the earth looking for people to devour. Yeah, and the question of good and evil, it's um, the way theists often will um, confront people is they, they'll use terminology like that that seems like so naturally, of course, Joe Rogan's going to say, yes, I believe in evil, and most people will. But at the same time, like I keep coming back to, they mean something very different. And I feel like it's a little bit of a trick they use um, to work their way into their uh, apologetics. Yeah, I'll just complicate matters in one way further. I think that um, even in the Bible, that there's a lot of different ways that evil is dealt with. Um, Bart Ehrman has a really good book. Um, I think it's just called The Problem of Evil or God's Problem, right? Um, yeah. And uh, he outlines like different answers in different parts of the Bible to the problem of evil. And sometimes you get an answer like the book of Job that's sort of like a not an answer. Um, it's a resignment to a universe that is sort of unfeeling and cold and um, unresponsive or indifferent to, you know, human suffering. Evil is a construction of a certain worldview and even something like the tsunami that killed like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people in Southeast Asia in the early 2000s. I always think of this as the example. It's a horrifically evil act if there is a loving God in heaven that could have prevented it. It's horrific, horrific evil. It's mass murder on a scale that's ter like beyond the pale. If it's um, a natural occurrence that happens from some sort of geological activity under the water that creates a tsunami. Um, it's a tragedy of living on an unstable planet where life hangs precariously in the balance all the time. It's not something evil. Um, it doesn't mean that it's less tragic that people lost their lives. But I mean, again, like the conception of something as evil comes from the idea of like this higher um authority either a god that's good or evil and i think even to complicate things further i think that god in the bible is beyond good and evil um in many instances too because what he does is whatever he decides he wants to do whether it's something considered moral or immoral what he commands is what's moral and he's not held in the hebrew bible to a higher standard of morality that's beyond himself um, that's sort of the pagan idea of God, and the personalized God of Israel was, or of the Israelites, <clears throat> um, was set set apart from that pagan system, at least by the the conservative editor of the Hebrew Bible, um, who was trying to at least uh, polish off any of the uh, the rough edges that contained theology that didn't agree with that. So it's it's way more complicated than just. Uh, evil necessitates good and good and evil are simple concepts yeah and we talk about the um the evils of of nature like you said and that was that was a really good point and the the point i'm sure what a lot of believers would come back with is okay but what about adolf hitler and paul pot and things like that and i would just say okay but the question is like we all agree like adolf hitler equals bad uh, well, we don't all agree. I agree, but uh, I hope, I hope, I wish everyone would agree with that. But um, my point is like, but is the quote unquote evil of Adolf Hitler evidence of the supernatural realm? And that's exactly what um, most believers want to say. Like, like that type of evil 
like it's because of a, a fallen world, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where I disagree. I would say there are other natural explanations, even for the behavior of horrible people like Adolf Hitler. And I think that evil becomes a, uh, a function of um, social interactions in different periods of time, too. Like, there are things that we would consider now evil, like owning human beings as chattel, um, that were not considered evil 100 years ago. Now, that doesn't mean that they weren't, they're not actually evil. It just means that, um, it, it just means that maybe evil doesn't line up to some absolute sense in the sky some absolute thing that's beyond us and it's something that we have to bring like evil and justice are things that we have to bring into um into life in the real world not just empty concepts that we can rely on from outside the world and i think that's like the real lesson of good and evil and i think even if you look at the historical uh critical way of looking at scripture you can see even in scripture that there's different ways that uh, ethics, morality, good and evil were inscribed during different time periods. Yeah, the um, the fluid nature of of cultural morality is very inconvenient to believers, um, and they spend a lot of time like trying to figure that out because they want to have this idea that no, like right and wrong, good and evil was ironed out in black and white before the beginning of time, and but all the evidence um, suggests the uh, you know that that's not the case. And um, they always have a really hard time dealing with that. So this next one has to do with conspiracy theories. I was very interested by this because I've looked at every conspiracy theory, you know, moon landing, 9-11, JFK, I mean, all kinds of conspiracies. But the one I had never looked at, and now, you know, I'm 58, so I'm like, okay, let me look at this one, is um, God. And uh, I said, let me see about this God thing. I've never been a religious guy. And uh, so I start reading. It's very strange. It's a strange sequitur, like, um, because he's talking about conspiracy theories, but the conspiracy theory that he never looked at was God. I'm not really sure what exactly this means. Um, I don't know how you can be a conspiracy when you're basically the predominant ideological... Uh, base level um, zero um, form of hegemony across all of uh, Western civilization. Um, but I guess Christianity is a secret uh, conspiracy. It goes right along with what we're seeing like over the last decade or so in America, which is like the, the growth of conspiracy theory or like the explosion of conspiracy theories. And I don't know if Adam Curry, I guess he's a conspiracy theorist. I mean, later on he talks about 9-11 in a way that I was like, oh, I guess he's a conspiracy, I guess he believes this stuff. So, you know, and, and uh, way to go Joe Rogan by like really doing the world a service by putting on conspiracy theorists that uh, everyone needs to hear from and taking it seriously um, because it's like a really big problem we have. But so he's looking into flat earth and he's looking into uh, the moon landing and all these all these conspiracy theories. And yeah, you know what? Like this is happening in evangelical Christianity, too. Like within evangelical Christianity, there's a lot of anti-vaxxers. There's a lot of flat earthers. Um, there's a lot of just straight up conspiracy theories. And um, and I think it's interesting that uh, that what you're starting to see is a lot of a lot of the right wing is kind of coalescing like people who naturally would have never been religious 
but they are definitely gravitate toward conspiracy theory. What do you know? They're becoming either religious or more open to religion. And, you know, Jordan Peterson comes to mind and Joe Rogan comes to mind and even Bill Maher, believe it or not, um, who's been like the most vehement atheist out of all of them. Um, he comes to mind also. And I think that that's what's fascinating to me about this clip is just that there really is a connection between um, what we're seeing in the church and just straight up conspiracy theories. Yeah, like a total connection in that the church has bought into QAnon in a huge way and evangelicals are involved in the conspiracy theories, like you said. And I think that there's a connection even in the way that they've been trained to think. Um, I don't think that it's any coincidence that I mean, I don't think that it used to be that Christianity was uh, as fertile of a ground for conspiracy theories as it is now. But I think that there has been such a disinformation campaign um, through the right that's been filtered through evangelical Christianity. And it they live in the world of alternative facts now. Um, they don't trust any type of... Um, anything from the establishment. And I also just think there's a bigger issue if you want to go back even further too. Um, you know, I mean, this has been a strand um, of anti-Christian intellectualism since the Scopes Monkey trial and the denial of evolution and the denial of um, the more liberal move of the church um, and secularization and um, so it's it's got its roots there, and I think it has its roots even further back. If you believe that the world is the world itself is controlled by Satan, and the world itself is evil, and you're a small cadre of people trying to survive in the world, well, then of course the world is going to be deceived and um, and is going to say lies and is going to believe in untruth. Um, so it makes you skeptical of everything. And I think that this has become a huge issue for, um, when it comes to science, um, you know, it's much easier for a Christian to believe that the entire world is a conspiracy to keep them from being saved if they believe that the devil controls the whole world. And really the whole purpose of life is to try to prevent people, people from being saved, so yeah, their that conspiracy fits perfectly in the into um, their worldview. Um, so yeah, I do think it's a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the criticisms that people make against agnostics and atheists is that oh, they reject the authority of God or the authority of the church. And the criticism that I would make to the church is they reject the authority of science. And I think the authority of science is grounded in evidence. Um, it's not some kind of thing that is unchanging from the beginning of time. No, it's it's the best that humans have come up with to get to the closest approximation of truth that we have. And if you reject science, um, yeah, it makes it a lot easier to believe a lot of the claims of the Bible. And it also makes it a lot easier to believe conspiracy theories. So I think there is a link there. I think, I think that being a religious person, a devout, you know, fundamental religious person does make you more susceptible to being a conspiracy theorist. And 
there's a lot of stuff written about Jesus. <laughs> there's a lot written, you know, thousands of years of books, and, mm-hmm. and there's some contemporary stuff such as uh, evidence demands a verdict. And, you know, this just is so much. And I got to tell you, Joe, as sure as I know that Building 7 didn't fall down out of uh, sympathy for Building 1 and 2, <laughs> God is real, Jesus existed, he was a badass outlaw, and it has changed my outlook on life. Okay. Uh, well, there it is. So um, a little bit of 9-11 conspiracy thrown in there. Uh, and then he mentions evidence that demands a verdict, and he mentions it again later. And so to me, it's pretty clear that for Adam Curry, this book was very influential. And, and we uh, have talked, Ben and I have talked a lot about like breaking down that book and a, and a couple other very popular evangelical books that uh, purport to provide like real evidence um, for the, the historical proof of the New Testament. And, um, you know, spoiler alert, we're not convinced by the arguments, um, but a lot of people really are. And Adam Curry is not an intellectual at all. And I'm, I'm a little bit surprised here as he's going through these, like his defense of his Christianity is not very good. He's kind of all over the place. He he just mentions 9-11. He mentions evidence that demands a verdict. And then it just comes down to it like, and I'm all in and I believe it. And I was really like waiting for some type of defense of his belief system. And um, Rogan, as he goes on, presses him a little bit, but, it, but not really. And Rogan is much more open to what he has to say um, and doesn't really push back enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um... It's like this is not the ringing endorsement that Adam Curry thinks it is for uh, Christianity's uh, evidentiary uh, authority. Yeah, I mean, Evidence That Declares the Verdict is not a very good book. Josh McDowell, who wrote it, is not really a respected, he's not a respected historian. He's not a respected scholar. Um, I don't think that book is taken seriously by people that are scholars of uh, the historical Jesus. Um it's not taken I mean, seriously, but it's unbelievably influential um, on a lot of people that have become Christians, or in more cases than not, like my experience was people that were already Christians that were just looking for something to hang their hat on. So whenever anyone questioned them, it was like, oh, read this book. Um, even though, like you said, like like historians and scholars do not take it seriously because the arguments are not good and they don't work. And it, And the claims are not substantiated there's a lot of claims that are just really flat out wrong about uh witnesses and um it takes the narratives of the gospel and takes them as uh pun intended gospel um no but i mean as historically accurate uh stories which is a misrepresentation of what they are so i mean that's for a, a different episode but i do i did think that was a an immediate red flag um as far as, you know, I mean, from my opinion, if um, if someone wants to uh, believe in Christianity, that that's totally their prerogative, and I don't have a problem with that. But what I do, what does bother me is um, bad history or someone teaching someone that this is good evidence and it's not actually good evidence. Um, and I think you're, it's fine to believe in the historical resurrection if you want to, but understand that you believe that because of your faith and not because there's historical verification, because they're just it's just not considered a historical event. Yeah, and if you're going to read a book like Evidence That Demands a Verdict or Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ, um, 
I urge you to do your own research and look into the claims that they are making because um, they're not doing good history. But uh, let's let's move on. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say one more thing really quickly. This is sort of an indictment of Joe Rogan's podcast in general, too, that these things can just be said on air. And, you know, he had this guest on and he's in some way, you know, facilitating this conversation and to just really have nothing to say, nothing to add. um, It's it's sad. But let's continue. Yeah, it's all about love. Yeah. Whether or not. Uh, the idea, the problem is the word. That word has God? been co-opted. Yeah, the, the word has been co-opted in a lot of people's minds. There's not a real problem with the word. The, the pro- I should rephrase that. There's a problem with the perception of the word. Sure. The perception of the word is that you believe in fairy tales. And you believe stories. in old mythical yeah. stories yeah, sure. by the book, and, and you believe that gay people shouldn't be allowed to get married, and you believe, you know, there's like all sorts that's of stuff not, that the, comes yeah. with that. That's right? not really contemporary religion anymore, but right. yeah, I understand what but you're that, saying. But isn't that fascinating, though? Oh, man. Oh, man. So <laughs> I think what Adam Curry just said, Ben, is that um, being against gay marriage is not a part of contemporary religion which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard said on air. And Joe Rogan just doesn't even press back, doesn't even push back at all on it. Yeah, this whole exchange is super... um, Well, first of all, Joe Rogan may be slightly liberal when it comes to uh, gay people's rights, but he's absolutely intolerant of trans people's rights. So... You know he has religion. He has total like intolerance for people that matches the biblical intolerance too. So, um, I I I just think that that's a, an appropriate criticism to put out uh, just before we even start anything else. Yeah, I don't know what Adam Curry is talking about. He either has no idea what's going on in contemporary religion. Um, he doesn't watch the news. Like, I mean, this should almost <laughs> disqualify him from being able to talk for the rest of the interview. Like, you're you're so clueless to like this issue that's like not even so much part of the public discourse as it is just part of the discourse of contemporary religion. This like uh, anti-gay, anti-trans stuff. That that's like the that's who is putting it out all the time. So it's literally um, like the biggest issue among evangelicals. Like we did polling on this. We looked at polling on this, Ben, earlier in an episode. I don't know which one exactly. And it like like evangelical Christians did not even understand like the basic tenets of Christ- of historical Orthodox Christianity. But they were all in unison when it had to do with gay marriage and abortion and things like that. So he couldn't be more wrong when he said that. And then I wanted to talk about uh, what Joe Rogan seems to be advocating for is like, well, the word God, it's really just a perception problem. Because when you talk about God, what comes with it is all this ancient mythology and and all these. It's like, yeah, everything that Christianity teaches. So if you want to talk about God in some kind of like generic, you know, force behind the universe, well, that's not at all how Christians take it. And I'm assuming that's not at all how Adam Curry takes it. No, Christianity talks about like an actual historical account. It talks about a historical Adam and Eve. It talks about a historical global flood. Um, And yes, there are more liberal versions of it, but even those, there's a lot of mythology baked into all of it. So Joe Rogan is kind of trying to like throw a softball, in my opinion, to lob a softball 
um, over to Adam Curry to say like, well, don't we just mean God in a more general respect? And Adam Curry just wants to take that and run with it. Um, but as the interview goes on, you see, no, Adam Curry does believe in a actual like evangelical picture of the historical Christianity. Yeah, it's it's way more complicated than Joe Rogan is making it seem. Um, on the one hand, there's a lot of people who uh, both are Jewish and are Christians who don't believe in all the fairy tales. Um, I mean, they may believe in the resurrection fairy tale, but they don't believe in necessarily that there was a literal flood. So it's a little bit of an unfair characterization. But I also think that it's sort of weird to me, and this fits with the predominant ideological view of religion um, in capitalism, in late capitalism, where it's great. Like religion is great if it makes you a better worker at work and if it allows you to interact with your boss and it gives you that inner distance and inter inner reflection that allows you to be more productive. So Joe Rogan is fine. If you have a concept of God that's like a new agey or um, really personalized God, as long as like you don't actually believe in a real God that like actually has any type of demands. Now I'm not defending the old Testament fairy tales or the new Testament fairy tales, but what I'm saying is either belief is right or it's wrong. It's it's, you can't say that belief is okay. As long as you don't actually take your belief fully seriously. All right, let's move on to uh, the next clip. Sounds good. The concept of like a guy in the sky, uh, you know, with a robe on, like what people consider God, that mm -hmm. seem, might p seem ridiculous, but the idea that there's a powerful force of the universe, like, why wouldn't there be? Like, how else did this happen? Even if that powerful force is just some scientific creation machine that's impossible for you to wrap your head around the amount of power that it has. It's literally created the universes, the multiverses, the, the, the different planets and the different beings and all the inventions. It's created everything, and it's constantly in this creative process. Like, just knowing that that's a real thing mm -hmm. can give you order in your life. So Joe Rogan here delving into the cosmological argument, um, saying, like, well, the whole reason we have anything uh, must point to a god, but what, what Joe Rogan is doing, though, is he's really promoting kind of a deist um, argument for God, saying like, yeah, I think that there must be a God because everything we have is here in the, the universe and possibly the multiverse. Um, but then this idea of God and like sitting on a throne with robes is this is ridiculous. But what he's not acknowledging is that Adam Curry's version of religion is a God sitting there on a throne. Um, I mean, that's what Christianity teaches. It does not teach this kind of like more new agey, um, you know, all powerful for creative force of the universe. Yeah, it's weird. It's like a combination of like uh, theology and like theological science fiction. So on the one hand, yeah, like first of all, the um, created universe doesn't show evidence of a creator. Even like cause and effect, I think, is like an evolutionary uh, byproduct of us like being more safe when we run from uh, bushes that move when there's predators behind them and when the, then they don't move. I mean, cause and effect is a really like contingent 
idea as well. He's just privileging his idea of God over Adam Curry's idea of God. He's saying, like, this idea of an old guy with a white beard uh, in robes, he's rightfully saying that's kind of ridiculous. And, but he's saying, but my idea of a machine creating all the multiverses, um, that's not ridiculous. And even if that's the truth, that's something that gives our lives meaning. And I would just say that if that's true, it really doesn't even matter if it's true. Like, what difference does it make if there's a, a life-giving machine somewhere creating the universes? Like, the only way it really matters is if there's a God that's a personal God. And I just don't, I, I don't think that the evidence that he's talking about uh, proves that there's a personal God. Yeah, but I think that um, I'm trying to highlight the um, difference between what Joe Rogan is saying and what Adam Curry is saying. I don't have a huge philosophical problem with somebody saying, hey, maybe we live in a simulation and there's a there's a programmer out there. And if you want to call that programmer God, I'm not saying I believe that. I'm saying, you know, as a thought experiment, if you're saying that, well, I believe in cause and effect, I don't believe in an uncaused cause. I think that there, I think that there must have been some sort of a, of a power, um, a creative power at the beginning of time that created everything that we see. I just think that's such a different question than what Adam Curry is there to say. Adam Curry is there to talk about Christianity. He's there to talk about like you know the resurrection of Jesus and um, all the claims of Christianity. And I think it's I think the question of deism is such a different question than the question of theism and this, and the question of Christianity in particular. Um, and, and that's what I think Joe Rogan is trying to steer the conversation constantly back to a much more broad deistic type argument about maybe philosophically there is some kind of a creative force and we don't need to, to uh, laugh at that idea and we don't need to mock, mock these like um, more archaic ideas of, a, of people on robes and sitting in clouds. But, th but those pictures come directly from Christianity and Adam Curry is not really defending it. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think once again, they're sort of like talking past each other. Um, I also think that this conversation sort of shows what happens when um, a conspiracy theorist has a come to Jesus moment, because it becomes increasingly, increasingly difficult to have a conversation where you want to like nail something down as true um, in a world where everybody just doubts everything and every theory can be thrown out with equal validity. So Joe Rogan can just throw out whatever theory he wants of how he thought religion was created. And um, so I, I think that it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, and I think Rogan is just taking it in a direction that's more in line with his own philosophy. Um, and I think Adam Curry is just unsophisticated uh, or not sophisticated enough to really uh, be able to... Um, sort of like be dexterous enough to keep on his his message um i just think it's funny that joe rogan like who allegedly disdains organized religion at least and i think is like friends with all the new atheists um is totally willing to um recognize a religion that's like totally a product of the ideology that he lives in and that was to absolve us of our sins, which is kind of a cool out. You know, so everyone's a sinner, everyone's fucked up, everyone's flawed, but you are forgiven for that as long as you try to be better. I mean, that's literally every book in the... Oh, man. Um, 
Okay, so his uh, understanding of the gospel is that everyone's a sinner, um, but we're all forgiven as long as we just try to be better. Does that sound like the gospel to you, Ben? No, um, certainly not. I mean, so there's like the two views. I'll get real uh, historical critical on you. Um, you know, the two views of the, the sacrifice, and I can never remember. I think Paul is the atoning sacrifice and Luke is forgiveness of sins, but I could be reversing that. Um, not really important except just to say that there's a, there is a notion of uh, Christ's sacrifice as the forgiveness of sins, but it's not just about trying to do better. Uh, that's not something that's biblical at all. If anything, Jesus says that in Matthew, your righteousness has to surpass that of the Pharisees um, to be saved. He talks about giving away all your possessions to the poor. Um, in addition to following all the law, he talks about loving your enemies. Um, I feel like this is a very um, new agey, uh, watered down Christian version of the gospel. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that Joe Rogan has on someone to talk about his Christian faith, and this guy absolutely has no idea what like like Orthodox Christianity historically has taught, because it definitely doesn't teach. Well, if you if you just try to be better, I mean, the two main views are the salvation by faith versus salvation by works. Um, salvation by works um, is really talking about um, the sacraments, and you know your. Which is, which is kind of a, an expression of faith in and of itself. And then salvation by faith is the more Calvinist view, which basically says like, um, it's like your works have absolutely nothing to do with it. But um, I've never, I haven't seen anything in the Bible that says anything like, well, just try to do better and then you'll be saved. It, it just reminds me of sort of like that. He's really like a fresh uh, believer. I mean, th- this whole conversation is sort of, shouldn't even be happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy should not be on the radio talking about... Um, if he wants to talk about his Christian faith, then he should be talking about it in a testimonial type of a way. He's, like, acting as if he's some sort of uh, an expert in any way on Christian history or even Christian doctrine, like what Christianity teaches, and he really knows doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, as, as a Christian, I'd be cringing listening to this. But why do you believe that someone really was the Son of God? I mean, if you're talking about information that's been, it was written, I mean, how, how when they wrote the New Testament, how long had he been dead when they, they wrote that? When they put that well, together? A lot of, well, the Testament is literally people who witnessed him and wrote about him um, right. at the time or uh, at the time. And they did, they decided what information to put in and what not to based on like Constantine had well, a say in it. Okay. Well, I mean, so Joe Rogan actually seems to be touching on a pretty good question. And of course, Adam Curry, uh, in typical fashion, doesn't actually know the answer. Um, so the New Testament was not written by witnesses. Um, none of the Gospels were written by eyewitnesses who were there at the time. None of them were written at the time of um, Jesus's ministry or at Jesus's death. The earliest Gospel we have is 40 years after his death, probably, which is the Gospel of Mark. Um, and then the Gospels of Matthew and Luke are variations of the Gospel of Mark and also um, the other source, which is the Q document. Um, 
And Mark goes back to oral traditions and possibly other written sources, and there may be um, the sources that we talk about are the Q source, um, and there may be there are other sources for Matthew and for Luke um, that are multiple. And then you have the Gospel of John, which is written maybe could be up to maybe even a hundred years after Jesus's death. Um, that's probably the latest that it would be written, um, and that's written. It's completely different than the Synoptic Gospels, the other three. Um, doesn't follow the same timeline. The events are in a different order. It has different events completely, telling a totally different story. Um, and so it's just wrong um, to conceive of these books the way that uh, Adam Curry thinks of. So that's what he's talking about. That's the Gospels. Now, the other part of the New Testament is the letters of um, Paul and the other um, apostles. Um, and uh, we have seven genuine uh, letters of Paul, um, or that most people, most scholars, uh, cons- the consensus is that they're, they're the undisputed letters of Paul. Um, not totally undisputed. There's always some people that dispute them. but um, And those are written more closer to the time of Jesus' um, ministry, but still probably 10 um, to, well, t- 20 years uh, to 30 years probably after, um, in that range, after um, Jesus' death. So cer- certainly not contemporaneous um, in the way that he's implying. Um and uh, I don't know if we'll, you know, Joe Rogan is talking about Constantine, Constantine, um, and the recognition of Christianity, and the first uh, church council was in the 300. So th- there's a big gap in between them, and uh, both Joe Rogan and uh, Adam Curry are spreading sort of uh, half-baked uh, history. Yeah, this is why it's important to understand the actual history that, you know, historians and scholars teach. And... Um, you know, I get the impression that Joe Rogan is kind of assuming that the Gospels were written just so much after the life of Jesus, and then and then uh, Adam Curry on the op- on the flip side is just assuming that oh no, these are all coming from eyewitness testimony, and both of them are wrong. Um, you know, to give something to the more Orthodox Christians, like yeah, the Gospels were written, uh, especially when you talk about Mark you know, in historical terms, like pretty close to the time of Jesus. Um, And then like Ben said, um, the letters of Paul are even earlier, very close to the actual life of Jesus. Although Paul doesn't really say almost anything about the um, earthly Jesus and his ministry on earth, which is a fascinating subject. But again, I think this just highlights what we were saying before that... um, Joe Rogan doesn't know what he's talking about, and Adam Curry doesn't know what he's talking about, yet they're on the biggest podcast in the world talking about why Christianity is true. And I think that's the frustrating thing, because there's so much good information out there that you can research and look into, but the the discussion they're having is very surface level and just like factually wrong at almost every turn. Yeah, it's unfortunate, because I think that some of this stuff is... is, um parroting stuff that uh, is taught in some churches, too. And I mean, like, the Gospels, as eyewitness accounts, Luke, um, at the beginning of his Gospel, literally says he bases it on different accounts that he's uh, he's gone through. So he's not even claiming to be an eyewitness. Um, and um, so, yeah, it, it's, um, it's 
just not an accurate portrayal of the production of the Gospels and, and when the New Testament was uh, put together. And then the other question is about the editing process of the New Testament, and that's a very interesting story um, that they're also totally getting wrong. Um, I mean, there's a sense in which things were changed uh, theologically over time, but it's not in the same sense. It's more more complicated than the way Joe Rogan is making it seem. Um, and the reality is that the New Testament, um, as a fixed canon is much later. Um, and that's not necessarily because all the texts were being changed under, um, nefarious purposes to match some sort of an orthodoxy. It's because there was no orthodoxy or orthodoxy was in flux before that. And there were a lot of other texts that were also considered, um, scripture by different religious communities and um, and controversies in the early church about what books should be affirmed and what books should not be affirmed. Um, so they're in the in the most broad sketches touching on some things that may, in the loosest interpretation be historically accurate what they're saying, but not in the way that Joe Rogan is saying it. And the real story itself is actually much more interesting. Well, Ben, I think that's a good stopping point for now, but there's a lot more to this interview that I'd really like to dig into. So stay with us next time as we continue on. Thank you. The Skeptics Bible Project is a John and Ben production with intro music by John Lopker. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash skepticsbibleproject and follow us on all social media platforms at Skeptics Project. Got questions or comments? Email us at skepticsbibleproject at gmail.com.